become a top secret network of highly secure locations across North America. This is the Spurs Insider, the podcast where, like our local cagers, we always put up a good fight, but are still learning how to finish. I am your host, as always, Mike Finger, joined by Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot and beat writers Tom Orsborne and Jeff McDonald. Tom checking in. This morning, this is a Thursday morning from the Twin Cities in the state of many lakes. How many lakes? Who can know for sure? Tom, how are things going on? How are things progressing in the state of Minnesota with the San Antonio Spurs? (laughs) With the San Antonio Spurs, let's see. Um, Well, the big adjustment weather-wise, needless to say, uh, 28 degrees here in Minneapolis this morning. Uh, some snow flurries uh, after leaving, you know, 72 degree Santa Monica, sunny Santa is this, Monica. Is this what we've come to on the Spurs Insider podcast where we talk not about the team itself, but about the various weather patterns That's right. that our local cagers are experiencing? That's right. Is there anything more newsworthy to say? about Uh, this team that you are following across North America. Local cagers are, uh, as you, as you good analogy to start off the show, the fight is still there. Uh Greg Popovich said before the loss to the Clippers on Tuesday night, that even, even when they lose, it's, it it can be as enjoyable, enjoyable as hell. And uh, um, unfortunately for them, there's been a lot of hell. Uh, lately with the, with the losses, but, but they have been enjoyable. They, uh, the Laker game, they, they, you know, that was impressive. They, they kept falling behind, you know, they, they'd fall behind by double digits, make a run and get back. Um, they never, they were never out of that game. They always, always came back and, uh, they pulled within two with about two minutes left. And then they unraveled, uh, one for six shooting, in that final two minutes, uh, um, a turnover by Thad Young, uh, and uh, there, there you go. That's all she wrote. But um, oh, yeah, I was struck in watching both of those games. Uh-huh. The, the Clippers, to a lesser degree, because the unraveling, as you called it, happened a little earlier. But uh-huh. um, they both of those games follow the pattern um, from plenty of them this season. And this is not exactly groundbreaking analysis, but it it sort of made me think of all the games over all the years watching the the San Antonio Spurs play basketball, dating back to the 90s, shoot, even before, you know, dating back to the David Robinson days where the game is close, the game is close, the the upstart up-and-comer is hanging with the better team for 40, four minutes and then the team with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili knows how to finish. And the team without those players doesn't. And all that fight for 44 or 45 minutes kind of goes out the window. It's kind of like this franchise is learning. And again, this is not a new idea, but it's learning what the rest of the NBA has felt for 20 years Um, that it's, you can hang with the team, but beating a team in the final few minutes is a whole different animal. Yeah, I was I was going to say uh, the the viewers that are just now tuning in because you can do that on a podcast. You start in the middle. Um, okay. 
they might think this is a this is an episode from last week or two weeks ago or the beginning of the season. Like it's the same it's the same story with these guys. And I mean that's not even a criticism. It just is what it is. Um, they're going to play hard. They're going to, uh, you know, be young and athletic and show you flashes of some fun stuff. But when they're playing a team that's that's clearly better than them and clearly has more stars than them and clearly has been around uh, together longer than them, they're probably not going to pull it out at the end. So it's sort of the same same song, you know, 57th verse here. And I'm not sure if you guys. Um, so back to the weather. Can we get back to the weather now? <laughs> we, we, we can in a little bit, but I do actually have a basketball question. Um, I might be forgetting one, but. Milwaukee was the best victory of the year so far in terms of just um, uh, level of how impressed you were with it. I mean, it was the best team they've probably beaten and, and just the best all around game. But even in that one, that was a game where they kind of were in control for most of the fourth quarter. And Milwaukee made a little bit of a run where it was dicey there for a couple of possessions. But I don't think the local cagers so far this year have won a game where it went down to like important possessions in the final minute. Am I wrong about that? I think most of them either pull teams out. You're not wrong about that. Their their victories are all blowout victories. And even the aforementioned Milwaukee win, you know, it, it, it's the only one that wasn't double digits, but it was nine points, the final right. margin. Um, so, yeah, they, they haven't they haven't really passed that test of having to, you know, execute this defensive possession and this offensive possession and win the game. Um, but that's probably the, I don't know, that's probably the last step for a young team to be able to do that on a consistent basis anyway. So I don't, I don't think it's like, I think it's all, all it's, it's hard to do a podcast on this because all of this is expected. Like there's nothing uh, unexpected or nothing we can, uh, you know, they really, they really suck, you know, like there's nothing we can really wag our finger at because it's all expected. It's like, um, you know. It's like watching a watching a eight year old try to ride their bike. You can't get mad when they fall down every now and then. Tom, what would um, if if you do want to get into the weeds on just the the issues that this team faces in those close games? The last one was at Staples Center, which will not be Staples Center much longer. Um, right. Against the against the Lakers in that game where you kind of broke down the possessions that the, the Spurs had and it was they were right in it down by two points had a chance and then you know you blink your eyes and it's over um, what again Jeff is right we can't really wag our fingers and um, call this team out for completely blowing a game against the Lakers at Staples Center but in those possessions were there anything uh, was there anything that you were were surprised by or um, that you felt maybe they could have done better in those situations? Well, again, you know, it's looking for a closer. And I think in the, in the, um, in, in those, you know, one for, there were one for six there at the end in the final two minutes. And I think DeJounte took the majority of the shots and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just couldn't get them to, couldn't get them to fall. Um, they were good looks just couldn't get them to fall. And, and it's, it's still that continuous search. DeJounte's been playing great, by the way, and no knock on him, but you know, they just, they just lack that, 
finishing guy, the guy that can just close it out for them. And, uh, um, yeah. And then Thad's turnover, you know, pop chalked that up to a team still trying to, to learn how to play with each other. And I, I think that's right. very true. They're, they're still going through that. Uh, and you see it pop up at so many times during the game, just, just turnovers here and there that, um, you know, you wouldn't see from a cohesive, cohesive unit that's been playing together. So, yeah, I guess it goes back to the, the topic that we've touched on so many times, you know, just finding a way to close out these games. And DeJounte is the best. He's the best choice at the moment. Uh, although Devin, Devin had a great game, uh, that Lakers game uh, with 11 points in the fourth quarter. And he I believe he took one or two shots there at the end, but they just couldn't get him to fall. You don't just automatically become a closer, right? Like it's going to take a lot yeah. of being in that situation, failing in that situation a lot. Um, like I don't see this as a, like a, a, just a, this season problem. This is something somebody possibly DeJounte is going to have to grow into, you know, even in the next season and, and games beyond that. So, you know, I think every, we look at this season as a developmental season. So every situation they can get in that way, and, and that, that's that, that is that way. Uh, even if they don't pull it out, even if they don't win it, even if they muck it up, I think it all is just uh, to use a Patty Mills phrase. It, it all goes in the bank and, uh, you know, you can use it at a later date. I guess I could open it up to the to the group um, along those lines. Um, have you recalibrated your. Um, I don't know if expectations is the right word, but your kind of criteria for how you are judging. Um, the success or failure of this season um, through they played as of the recording of this podcast, they played 14 games, 14 games in uh, have, have, have you changed your mind as to, to what standards you're using to kind of follow along with the, with the cagers throughout this campaign? Me, not really. I mean, I, I guess I don't know what my answer would have been, um, you know, at the start of the season, like what the original calibration would have been there. But I'm almost looking at it um, like player by player on an individual basis. Can you see growth in this guy or that guy? You know, can we see DeJounte Murray taking another step? Do we see Kelvin Johnson adding something to his game? Does Devin Vassell look like somebody that's going to be uh, a big piece of this going forward? What is Lonnie Walker looking like? And the record really doesn't matter um, so much at the end of it. And if you end up with a, I mean, let's say a top five pick, a top 10 pick, I mean, great. Great. That's kind of what this team needs is that kind of top shelf talent. And, and one of the ways to get it is to, is to, uh, you know, land in that, you know, upper, upper, the upper reaches of the draft. And I know I'm sounding like a, like a shut in from two years ago. Um, I'm not advocating tanking. I think these guys should play hard and try to win every game. But if the, you know, if the uh, side effect of that is, you know, they lose 55 games or something, that's that's not that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, you know, Pop brought up a good point after that Clippers game. They just need more guys to play better. Um, you know, it's just kind of a disappoint. I I don't want to say it's it's early. You know, you don't want to label anyone disappointing, but Lonnie's struggling. You know, with his three point shooting. Um, you know, Derek Derek uh, broke out against the Clippers, but he hasn't been what we expected. I think it's fair to say Keldon 
hasn't been what we expected. Um, well, Jeff it, mentioned um, that he wants to look at it, you know, uh, a- analyzing individual players and whether they're taking a step forward or step back. Mm-hmm, and that might as well mm-hmm. be um, a format we can use here since we don't need to go game by game anymore, since that yeah. seems kind of frivolous. I got, I got um, something. I got something. We, I, think it was just, Johnson. I think it was just a week ago. It was just yeah. a week ago. Someone on this podcast seemed to suggest I knew this is coming. I knew Keldon this Johnson coming. should stop trying to shoot three pointers. I and, think the and, person asked and some, if he should and, stop and some other fellow said, well, you know, he's not great at it, but he needs to get great at it. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, he's shooting like 10% now. And, uh-huh. and, you know, for his career, he's shooting about 32, which isn't great, but it's a heck of a lot better than 10. And there's probably a correction coming. Um, what's, uh-huh. what's Keldon Johnson been doing from three point range in the time since that conversation was had on this podcast, who looks like a freaking basketball savant genius crystal ball looking dude I just, right now. That, I just think that the question that was asked on last week's podcast proved to be pretty prescient it, it, it was just a question that was thrown out there i don't think oh you're just you asking questions to. that's what we yes. do in america we're just asking questions we're just asking we're doing our own research i see um, i see no, but Do you that, know who is the been, fourth, who is the fourth best three point shooting on your shooter on your San Antonio Spurs by percentage right now for the whole season? The oh, guy that no was idea. shooting ten percent last week, eleven percent last week, is now your fourth most accurate three point shooter on the San Antonio Spurs. More accurate than Lonnie Walker. More accurate than Derek White. More accurate than Dejounte Murray. So well, it sounds like it's a good thing he kept shooting. Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad somebody listened to me. Yep. Um, so start with Keldon Johnson um, and we will not to boil this down to two um, uh, simple terms, but has he taken a step forward? Has he taken a step back? Is he kind of um, treading water here uh, for, for the group? What is your verdict on Keldon Johnson I, through 14 games? I would games? say he's actually taken a step forward. I mean, I know that we'd like to see more consistency from him. But one of the things I was kind of looking for him going to this year, does he have anything else in his arsenal besides putting his head down and just throwing himself into, uh, you know, a big man and finishing some crazy layup or drawing a foul? And he still reverts to that, that mode a lot. And I think he still reverts, reverts to that mode a lot when, when you know, things bog down and, and get tough. And that's kind of part been a little bit of their, their fourth quarter issues. But he's also shown me throughout the guts of other games – He's got a little Euro step. He's got a little pull-up jumper. He's got other ways of get to the basket. Now he's he's making threes in the last week or so. Um, is it a big enough step forward? Um, I, I don't know how to judge that. I guess the coaches could be the judge of that. But I am seeing Gosh, you sound like Greg Popovich. I'm seeing different things out of him this year than um, than we have in the past, and I think that uh, you know I think that's a positive sign. I think you're right. I think his ledger. I think I was just expecting more, I guess, but um, you're right. I mean, yeah, uh, numbers are up and he's diversifying his, his offensive selection, shot selection. But yeah, I guess I just expected more, which was probably unfair. DeJounte Murray, same question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. yeah I want to ring on Kelton because everyone's, you know, I've, when I do ring in, it's usually about singing Kelton's praises, but. Through 14 games, I'll be the negative Nancy and say, I don't know if he's t- – I mean, there's little things about his game where it's better. But overall, I don't know if it's like 
the big enough step, like Tom said, is enough? Is it the big enough step forward that we wanted to see? For the Spurs, I'm going to say no. It's not really the big enough step forward. It's a minor step forward. Um, you look statistically, it's a, it's a very tiny step forward. He has added little things about his game, but beginning of the season, I said, if the Spurs are going to find a lot of success, Keldon Johnson has to be your best player. Because I thought DeJounte Murray would take a you know, a, a little step forward, and he's t- kind of taken a bigger step forward than we anticipated. But I thought if Keldon Johnson takes that big leap, the Spurs would actually be pretty good. But he's taking a baby step, and it's not really going to help the Spurs win games if he takes baby steps and doesn't improve, doesn't take a big leap. We were hoping for that, or the Spurs were hoping for that big leap to see, and it, it just hasn't come to fruition, especially – you know, a lot of people who thought he was getting all that Olympic experience would take that big leap and it hasn't been. So he, I don't know if we see that he's going to be that guy. So it might be losing still has to be the way they get that guy. And it's not going to be Keldon Johnson, but it's early. It's 14 games. He could take a leap after the all-star break. I mean, that's the main thing here. It's 14 games. So it's a small, small. That's a good point. We're, we're, we're grading in the, you know, the first nine weeks, this isn't a final grade, final exam for this, for this season. And you're looking at a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of guys have, have been role players their whole NBA careers to date, and that might just be their ceiling. But this is also their first season of not playing alongside stars, take some of that, that pressure off them. So we're seeing, we might be seeing a little regression um, in some of these guys that way. Like defenses are able to deal with them a little better when they're not having to also deal with DeMar Rosen. You know, so let's we I mean, we can do this on the podcast now because it's fun. But let's also revisit this at the end of the year and see how how who's who's done what. DeJounte Murray. I think that's obvious step forward, right? I mean, I don't think that's even a even a question. This is the best he's looked in his um, entire career. And I think a lot of that is due to um, maybe what I kind of alluded to a minute ago. He's this. He's the one guy that's benefited from there not really being a DeMar, a LaMarcus, that kind of guy around to to dominate the ball. He's allowed to dominate the ball, and I think we're seeing his numbers go up just across the board. I mean, and we kind of mentioned the one place we'd like to see him improve is the, those in-the-game situations because he's the guy with the ball in his hands. So if he's if that's going to be him, he's going to be the guy making the decisions and have to make the shots over the top. But other than that, I mean, he's having just not even a career year for him, but one of the best starts to a season – uh, statistically that, that any Spurs ever had. So, you know, I think we have to give him uh, a, you know, pretty high marks for the first 14 games. Yeah. And from and, an and, intangible, and, intangible standpoint, you know, the, the, the talk of, is there, it's a leader by committee type deal. It's, it's, he's the leader, he's the team yeah. leader. There's no, no question about it. Yep. And I also, um, this might be split, splitting hairs a little bit, but, they have not won the close games yet. The the games inside of, I think Jeff mentioned nine points, but part of that is because DeJounte has been so good in putting away the, the four blowouts yeah. in all, in all yeah. four of the games that they won. Um, no, DeJounte did not hit the, the close late shot, you know, in the final minute because he just took, put the, put those four wins away against, I think in all yeah. four of them. The game I the game I point to is the one at Orlando because they were up twenty or something in that game and just right. let it throughout, and then the Magic got within seven midway through the fourth quarter and it's kind of one of those where if one or two more possessions go awry for your your local cagers, the Magic are going to 
you know, take the lead and then it becomes dicey. And it got to seven. And DeJounte was the guy that hit two shots in a row and really just put him, pulled him over the stretch, over the hump during, during the final stretch. So that happened. And I think that was the same thing in Milwaukee too. Um, so that, hey, 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 it's not like he's hitting a wall in fourth quarters. He's, he's had some decent fourth quarters. It's just uh, like the rest of the team figuring out how to finish the close ones. Right. I mean, uh, I, the next, I think when you play a lot of close games and you're not the best team, you're going to fail a lot of the times. Right. Next name, uh, Derek White. That's, ob- I mean, I don't know if this is as obvious as DeJounte, but the other way, like he's definitely been um, not as good as we thought he should be, not as good as he's been in the past. Um, uh, shooting the ball and, and a lot of offensive decision-making. I would still argue that defensively he's still giving you uh, I, I think he leads the, he leads all NBA guards and deflections. He leads everybody in charges. Like he's still doing those kind of little things, but he's also got to put the ball in the basket at, at a, at a higher clip than he's been doing it um, for this team to be successful. So I think, I think that's a pretty clear, um, you know, step is, back this a, is this a case of a, um, of a player who can be better? just struggling or is this a sign that he may not be what these first hoped he would be in the big picture? I think he can be better than this. Yeah. And I don't know that the Spurs ever expected him to be a star. So, um, I mean, can he be what he was last year? Then that's probably fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. He's going to, he's going to be better. Yeah. I am really, really confident in that. Well, I guess the the question is, um, heading into this season, if if your hope for Derek White was, can he be what he was last year? Um, I think that most people around the Spurs would have hoped he he would have be taking. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess the better question is, has he hit his peak yet? Is he? Can the Spurs just hope that he's what he has been at his best, or is there more there? I, I, I you know, ugh, that's hard for me to say, but it sure looks like, you know, just based on the evidence at hand, that I don't know that he's going to be leaps and bounds better than the best season he's had. I'm like, I think we discussed which, it last which week. Isn't, I, which isn't terrible, by right, the way. Right, this right, right, right. Being negative, Nance. I think we like, talked about last week. I don't think you're getting bubble Derek White for the. Uh, if, you know, for any large stretch of any season, I don't know that you're getting, you know, 38 points in a playoff game, Derek White, um, or whatever number that was, um, you know, at any at any point. I, I think those are more anomalies. I think what he is is just at his best is just this steady, um, slow and steady Eddie kind of guy that's just going to keep you organized, um, make the right play, hit a shot, hit a big shot every now and then. Um, that was kind of his calling card, even when he wasn't playing a whole, whole lot, like his, his second, third year, he was always the guy that was hitting a big three in the fourth quarter, stop a run, start a run. Like other coaches, other NBA coaches were noticing that. And we haven't seen a lot of that of him this year, where it's just that, that three you need uh, and he gets it and it's just not going in for him. Nothing's going in for him right now. Um, I guess to put it in a, in a more positive way, uh, if Derek White for the next five, six years is what he was last year. Like that's, that's a productive use of that draft pick. And that's a productive guy to have on the roster. Yes. Um, and, and so to, to reuse uh, the word from 
earlier, if, if we recalibrate what we expect from Derek White and just um, kind of expect him to be what he's been already, where we've already kind of seen his ceiling, but also think that his floor is going to be relatively high. Right. I think that's fine. Yeah. Like he's not going to be the guy that takes you to the next level, but he's a, he's a worthwhile, useful piece to have in your rotation I, moving forward, probably for the rest I, of his contract. Yeah. I think, I think the expectations uh, is what gets a lot of these guys because uh, you know, the Spurs and especially the fan base is just so hungry for a star for one of these guys to be like, we pluck this, you know, Tony Parker, we pluck, pluck this guy at number 28 and he's turns into one of the best players in NBA history. And, 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 it's always the next guy. It's Derek White. It's DeJounte Murray. It's now Lonnie Walker. Then it's Keldon. Now people are going to put that on Primo. And when they don't live up to that kind of un, almost unrealistic um, expectation, I think people get a little disappointed for reasons that probably are not fair. Because we are talking about, for the most part, these guys are all late first-round draft picks. Like, they are what yeah. they are. Most of them, most of those guys, you know, picked in that area – throughout the NBA draft don't amount to anything. Don't become a rotation player at all. So if you get a 10 year NBA rotation player from that spot, you have to be happy, but you, people get a glimpse and they're just so hungry for that, that, that next guy to bust out that they, you know, when they see a 38 point game in the playoffs or what Derek White did in the bubble, they're expecting more and more and more and more. And maybe that's just not a thing that's fair to expect out of someone drafted 29th overall. One of the last news stories of the preseason was whether or not the San Antonio Spurs would sign Lonnie Walker the fourth to an extension. They did not. It became a season for him to either prove them wrong or show other teams across the league that maybe they should pursue him in Restricted free agency, which is coming up next offseason. What is the progress report of young Lonnie Walker, the fourth? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't know that he's um, much different than he was last year, which I mean, again, he's a guy that helps you. But I, I don't know that he's really um, I mean, again, there was a 14 game sample size. But so far, he hasn't been the guy that you're like, oh, the Spurs screwed up. They should have locked this guy down. Cause he's going to get paid this off season. Um, and he could, he's still got time to turn that around, but he's a guy that gives you moments, gives you flashes, does some things on the floor that nobody else on the floor is going to be able to do. Um, but the, the consistency isn't, isn't there and hasn't been there um, really, you know, throughout his career. Um, his three point shooting is down. Although weirdly, he's one of the best corner three point shooters in the league. Like if he could just limit himself to that corner three, I think he'd be doing all right in that regard. But um, yeah, I don't see a huge difference between the Lonnie Walker 14 games into this season and the Lonnie Walker we saw last season. Yeah, Mas. the three point shooting. Uh, I mean, he's a big he's a big part of that. They're last in the league in makes with about 10 per game. That's 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 a big disappointment. Um, you know, they're right back where they were last year. Uh, they thought they'd be better with McDermott with Forbes, with Lonnie taking a step forward. Um, you know, none of that's coming to, to fruition so far. It's, uh, it's, so, yeah, step. I think it's a step back. You expected him to be more consistent um, in a lot of areas, and it's it's just not there yet. 
One of my favorite, you mentioned the three-point shooting. One of my favorite stats from last year, and it's on pace to be the same thing this year, was the Spurs set a franchise record for three-pointers made per game last season <laughs> at 9.9, .9, and it was dead last in the league. Right. They've, they've extended that franchise record this year to 10-something, and it's still dead last in the league. Actually, I think the last time I looked, they were up to 29th. They were skyrocketing up that uh, Yeah. That that list of they're, three they're back to dead now. last as ah, of this morning. <laughs> they've had a they've had a bad road trip then. But anyway, uh, who else we got? Who else you want to talk about? Well, uh, we don't need to go uh, guy by guy to the whole roster. I think it's clear that Devin Vassell is um, um, showing some market improvement um, over what he was. Jakob Pertl before. His time in the health and safety protocols was at times like not just podcast wink, wink, the Spurs best player, but legitimately the Spurs best player yeah. um, for a couple of those games early in the season. Drew Eubanks has been like, like he's not a huge piece of the future, but he's been productive uh, on down the line. I guess Trey Jones has shown a flash. These are not guys who are going to make or break your team. Um, but they're they've been fine there. What, what, kind of, I, what, kind of strides, what kind of strides do you think Kata Bates Diop has made this season? Are we seeing what we need to see out of him? You know, I I I uh, he has completely shocked me in terms of what I thought I would see from Kata Bates Diop, uh, and that I'd never really considered Kata Bates seeing, Diop. Seeing Kata Bates Diop. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, that was um, mean. That was mean. Bigger. Uh, he's a good. He's a guy that to have on the mean. roster. I'm not being mean at all. Like I, I just, it's, it's, it's a nice thing to say that I, Hey, I didn't think about this guy before the season he's played. He's given productive <laughs> minutes. It's fine. I remember. Like, I, he, nothing, I remember he existed is what you're saying. Right. I have nothing. He's already, he's already surpassed. He's already surpassed your expectations by existing. I mean, yes, sure. <laughs> That's not a negative thing to say. There are many, many, there, there are at least, Dozens of people around the world who I didn't know existed, who I still don't know existed. There's so, some like people I wish I, I wish I didn't know existed. Right. So KBD is way ahead of the game. <laughs> um, team wise, you guys were just talking about how the three point shooting has not changed much since last year. Another uh, big vow promise goal from the preseason of the Spurs was to play at a higher pace and to get in the open court and whatnot. And it seems like that the statistics do back up that thing. Like there, am, am, am I wrong here? But the, the, the Spurs are, are up there in fast break points and whatnot. I haven't, I haven't checked before this podcast, which I mean, if you'd send me a list of things you want to discuss, I can, I can research it better. I can do my own research uh -huh. beforehand, but I, you know, before the road trip, which it's only been two games. Yeah, they were, they were, um, you know, top five in fast break points, top five in pace, which is a, a huge jump from the, the Spurs teams we've seen in the past. Um, and a lot of early against the Clippers, they were dominating in fast break points. So I assume they're still up. There. And a, a lot of it is linked to, to forcing turnovers, which they forced 20 plus turnovers um, in four of their 14 games this year, which they didn't do that in four games total at all of last year or the year before or the year before that. Um, the record under Popovich, I read this is from a friend of the pop who, uh, never mind. I can't remember where I saw this on Twitter, so I don't want to credit the wrong person, but the most 20 plus turnover games forced in the Greg Popovich era 
was like back in 2003 and it was 11. And this team is just on pace to shatter that. So all of that is linked. The forcing turnovers, fast break, playing in a high pace. Um, it's the way they have to play. I think that's the reason they're in these games, um, that they're not winning. I mean, if they just wanted to go toe-to-toe with, with you know, some of these teams, uh, they're just going to get blown out. So the way they can stay in these games is to do that sort of stuff. So they're playing the way they have to play. It's just not resulting in wins. Yeah, you uh, you go back. And that was Dan Dan Weiss's stat. Dan Weiss, friend of the podcast, Dan Weiss. Friend of the podcast. But you go back to what Pop always says in this era, you know, look, look at the three-point shooting first, and it'll tell – tell the tale and it's it's a it's you know it's a major disappointment they were supposed to be better in that area and that it's just not there uh you know and uh Bryn Bryn has struggled uh and McDermott I I wonder if the injury he had uh I'd, I'd like to talk to him at some point hopefully this morning but I wonder where he's at coming off that injury leg injury and uh, but yeah, they're just not getting it done from outside. It's a, also- it's a weird thing with McDermott. We haven't really talked about him much at all on this podcast throughout this season. Um, injury might have been part of that, but there's never a case in a game when it seems like uh, when when I'm sitting there thinking, boy, they need more from Doug McDermott. It, he's um, it's it's odd to label him a disappointment, maybe because. I mean, his expectations he's, weren't huge. It seems like he's sort of doing what I expected him to do. He just hasn't a, had a huge game. He's shooting a career best 46% from three on a mm-hmm. career most mm-hmm. 4.7 attempts. So I think yeah. he's doing what they brought him in to do. Yeah, he's not, that's right. his, his scoring is down a little, but um, it'd be his second, his second, you know, last year was his career high at 13.6 per game. He's at 10.4. Um in in more minutes this year, but his 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 three point shooting, I think, has been what they expect. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, I would hypothesize I, that he's the type of player. I guess it's where 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 like if you're a winning team, you you notice him more because I, I he's helping I'm, you win. Think, I'm, right, I'm I'm thinking out loud here, but like he, he's not the type of guy who during a rebuilding year when you're looking for positive signs about the future on losing nights that you, that you say, um, wow, Doug McDermott's really coming along. He kind of, he kind of is exactly who I thought he would be. And that's just not enough to really change the, the big picture outlook of the team. If that makes any sense. He's a good guy to have. Yeah. Good veteran. Dude. Again, I'm not casting stones here towards anyone towards Doug McDermott or KBD or, you know, name your guy. All right. You want to hear it's another just, fun stat? If you want to play fun with stats, do you I'd know which team not. leads the, do you know which team leads the entire NBA in field goals made per game? <sighs> field goals made per game. Gosh, yes. I think it could be any number of 30, but I would guess it might be the Spurs. That is correct. Do you so know I'm who the free throw line? Do you know who, re, who ranks 30th in the league in free throws made per game? I, 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 I don't know. Do you know who ranks 30th in the league in percentage from the free throw line, which is related? Just give us it's the, the same team. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. So your yeah. Spurs are making more field goals per game than anyone in the NBA, but they're not coming from three point range and they're not right. making up that difference from the free throw line either because they are the worst team in the league 
at uh, making free throws. But, you know, I think that kind of that kind of goes hand in hand. If you like the the team, yeah, yeah, it all goes together. Like you, prob- you probably do not want to lead the league or even be top five in field goals made per game, because that means you're not. I, I think court well, sort of follows that you're not going to go get to the free throw line, and you're not getting to the three point line. I suppose, so. but you know, second on that list is uh, the Charlotte Hornets, but third is the Phoenix Suns. It's Who played that mid range style that the Spurs it's, it's, do. It's kind of a mixed bag because Memphis Grizzlies yeah. are fourth, fifth, fifth, like top five in field goals made are your Golden State Warriors. Ah, okay. So that's interesting. I think you do have a point. It's not like this thing. This this top ten list is loaded with like championship contenders, right? But let's see who's last. I mean, the, the the last in field goals made, though, like the bottom five are all your terrible teams. New Orleans, okay. Oklahoma City, Orlando, Houston, Detroit. Well, that's interesting. They're very, very nuanced piece of information. Well, I just think uh, the Spurs either. I mean, uh, this is not nuanced. The Spurs either need to make more three pointers or find a way to get to the line more and make a greater percentage like that would solve a lot of their offensive issues. I wonder. Well, if the it might not be. It might not be nuanced, but it is useful and it is true. And if you are in the mood for more useful and true information, a place you'd obviously need to go. Where this is ham fisted, and you haven't even told them where to go to get our. Where all of the listeners of the Spurs Insider podcast surely already are is at expressnews.com, signing up for the Spurs Nation newsletter. I think there's like a 210 newsletter you can get on every afternoon that gives you all the good stuff from throughout the, the, the newspaper and throughout the website at expressnews.com. You guys are all over that. Um, and in terms of, of other nuance, I mean... Unlike the, whole, the Spurs, you are poor in transition today. Well, I'm just saying that uh, there's nuance <laughs> throughout life. Is there not? <laughs> you just... Okay, I'm figuring out your formula now. You just pick a word and you just say blah, 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 blah in your life, throughout life. And you just let's apply... Yeah. You know, it are you it arguing that there is no nuance in life? I think that is an outrageous <laughs> a- accusation. That's an outrageous claim. Of course, life just, is nuanced. It's I'm not always going to be wonderful. It's not always going to be terrible. There are going to be times when you are leading the league in field goals made. <laughs> like you're going to get stuff right. That could mean that you're not doing so well from long range or from the free throw line. But what are you going to focus on? I mean, it's it's a nuanced situation. It's not all or nothing. It's not all positive or all negative, but you can you can choose to accept and in fact revel in life's complexities and and understand that no, you're not going to boil the whole experience of of going through the world on God's green earth down to one stat. That would be asinine. You got to appreciate it all, and that's what I would implore you to do for the next week until we see you the next time on the the Spurs Insider podcast. Look for nuance, appreciate the complexities, take care of each other, and keep it real.